Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, after a tour of the John Bell Correctional Facility on St. Croix, senators say they see some improvements, but there's still a lot more work to be done. Office of Cannabis Regulations Director Hannah Cardi is setting the record straight regarding her post-resignation. A St. Croix teen has been charged as an adult with murder. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. A teenager has been charged as an adult with the murder of 16-year-old Amon Walcott, who was killed on June 10, 2003, in St. Croix. According to the Virgin Islands Police Department, the suspect, Nikush Jaden James, was 17 years old at the time of the homicide and had been in protective custody at the John Bell Prison on St. Croix. Following a transfer hearing, he was charged as an adult and a Superior Court judge issued a warrant for his arrest on February 14th with bail set at $1 million. He appeared in VI Superior Court today for his advice of rights hearing. The case began on June 10th when a concerned citizen notified 911 shortly after 6 p.m. that there was a body in a vehicle at the old Queen Mary service station on the Mount Pleasant area of Frederickstead. The victim was identified as Walcott, and police said he died from multiple gunshot wounds to the upper body. Senator Franklin Johnson and Senator-at-Large Angel Bolquez recently went on a tour of the John Bell Adult Correctional Facility on St. Croix. Previously named the Golden Grove Correctional Facility, the detention center has reportedly been under consent decree for upwards of 40 years amid constitutional violations involving the care and custody of prisoners incarcerated at the facility. Bureau of Corrections Director Winnie Testamark has been charged with implemented changes to move the facility into compliance, and Senator Bolk has stated that he did see some improvements to the facility on this tour. There were a lot of different programs that were available uh, to include a few new ones, um, which I was very impressed with concerning what would be considered counseling with mental health, um, especially for reintegration, just being able for the inmates, that is, for them to be able to communicate and express themselves and, you know, let people know how they're feeling or if they had any um, setbacks concerning, you know, understanding that they made a mistake, but it isn't the end of the, the world, so to speak, you know. Senator Franklin Johnson has been a harsh critic of the Bureau of Corrections, going so far as to present a resolution back in 2022 calling on Governor Albert Bryant to demand the resignation or otherwise terminate the employment of Director Testamark. He stated that he had been requesting a tour of the facility and gave credit to what he calls some of the positive changes implemented, like the mental health counseling, that they were able to witness inmates take part in. We spoke to them and some of them asked us questions about what happened when we go outside. And I was very clear with them that there's a lot of nonprofit organization out there with resources to help them, but they have to buy in to what they're training them there with. And they got to be consistent with that program. I also saw a great improvement in the kitchen. Kitchen was, uh, to me, a mess the last time I've been there. Despite the positive attributes witnessed, both senators shared there was still a lot of work to be done. I did see that the prison does need a lot of work in a sense of facility. Um, 
I believe the building is somewhere around uh, probably almost 50 years old. Uh, and um, there, there are some considerable uh, facility maintenance upgrades that are that are needed. And also, there are portions of the prison that are not being utilized. They're sort of um, closed down. And, um, you know, there are talks about, you know, demolishing them and perhaps um, investing uh, to to build different units um, for the penitentiary because it's um, very expensive for us to send our inmates away to the mainland. And of course, that that comes at a cost. Senator Johnson shared that he was unable to stay for the entirety of the tour, but is hoping to go back and focus on key programs that he feels are crucial to the inmates. My concentration is really in the carpenter shop, the body shop, the mechanic shop, the upholstery shop. These are programs that I know if these young men get a chance to work with their hands, they'll be very productive and ready to go on the street and do work and not back, back out on the street without a skill or trade or anything like that. Echoing similar cost-saving sentiments as Senator Bolquez, Senator Johnson stated he wanted to see the Bureau take more initiative in utilizing equipment they had previously procured. They spent some maybe $20,000 in an embroidery machine. The last time I was there, no one was utilizing that embroidery machine. That machine can save this government so much of money because every agency have these polar shot with their logo on the shirt. They got a machine that could do 10 different embroidery at the same time. These are what I really wanted to concentrate on. I also wanted to see the living quarters because I you know, received a lot of complaints that letters from you know inmates in the facility. I didn't get to see that. So I, my, my tour got cut short, but I must say I saw some improvement in two of the areas that I you know, didn't see before. Senator Bolquez shared that he too was unable to witness the living quarters and hopes that on their next tour, they will see further improvements and the remainder of the facility. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. will be out of the territory this week where he will attend the annual meeting of the Department of Interior's Interagency Group on insular areas and the winter meeting of the National Governors Association in Washington, D.C. Lieutenant Governor Tregenza Roach will serve as acting governor until Governor Bryan's return next week. Office of Cannabis Regulations Director Hannah Carty has given the date of March 8th as her departure from the agency. Back in December, Director Carty shared with the newsfeed that she would be leaving the position for personal reasons. She's responding to reports published by the Virgin Islands Daily News that she has been working as a real estate agent since May of 2022 and utilizing the government's phone to conduct her real estate business. I was licensed as a real estate agent, which I did in my personal time. That is not an issue that's up for discussion. I'm sure there are, and I know that I am aware, that there are several people in the government that have multiple jobs. So I don't think that's what the concern was. I think it was because my personal cell phone number has been what I've been using to forward the um, OCR phone number to. And the number listed on the site, since I have not been working as a real estate agent, um, has come up in this old site. Cardi stated that when she tendered her resignation, she spoke with board members to implement a succession plan that would outline the tasks she wanted to complete before her departure. 
I kind of left the date open-ended um, until a few weeks ago. Then I stated, you know, that March would probably be the, the end date for this because the projects are reaching the end of, you know, their time period. So I'm, I'm not sure what else there is to be said about it outside of, you know, the main things that we're working on right now are putting out the registry system so that practitioners, sacramental organizations, patients, sacramental users, and business agents will have access to the registry system. Director Cardi says the full implementation of legalizing cannabis in the territory takes time. We just finished the RFP or the request for proposal process for the seed to sale system. All of those things have to be in place before legal cannabis sales can begin. And it takes a lot of work to do all of that. It takes a lot of research. Um, it takes a lot of time. And I think people are looking more for that instant gratification and it just takes time. Looking back on her tenure, she says hindsight is twenty twenty. I did things in the time frame and the ability and did it with the ability that I have. So I wouldn't change anything. Cardi says she's not aware if the board has found a replacement, but does know they are considering individuals. It's not about the person in this position. It's about the people of the Virgin Islands and getting the work done. And her advice to the person who does take the position? Be strong, um, be positive, know exactly why you're interested in this position. And, you know, it's very rewarding. I found the position to be very rewarding. So always look for, for that and hold on to that reason. You're listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. Another lawsuit tied to victims of Jeffrey Epstein has been filed in a federal New York City court. The complaint on behalf of one unidentified female victim and a woman named Danielle Bensky accuses two of Epstein's closest advisors of aiding, abetting, and facilitating his sex trafficking of young women and teenage girls. The lawsuit seeks monetary damages from Epstein's longtime personal lawyer, Darren Indique, and his longtime accountant, Richard Kahn. It claims that the two men helped build the complex financial infrastructure that Epstein relied on to sexually abuse hundreds of young women and teenage girls over the last two decades. It also claims that Indique and Khan played major roles in setting up Epstein's many companies that were involved in funneling millions of dollars in cash payments and wire transfers. The lawsuit alleges that Indique and Khan, who serve as executors of Epstein's estate, were richly compensated by Epstein and were also named as beneficiaries of a trust called the Butterfly Trust that Epstein used to pay young women with Eastern European surnames, as well as those who worked for him, to include business associate and confidant Ghislaine Maxwell. The lawsuit further alleges that given the tenure of Indique and Khan's employment, they should have known that their legal, accounting, and business services enabled Epstein's activities. Indique began working for Epstein in 1995, and Khan began working as his in-house accountant in 2005. A lawyer for the estate and for Indique and Khan, Daniel Weiner, said in a statement that both men emphatically reject the allegations of wrongdoing and call the claims baseless and legally frivolous. 
This year's theme for the 52nd Annual Agriculture and Food Fair was Agriculture, Our Future, and So Much More for 2024. It was named in honor of Andy C. Williams, a longtime employee who passed in May of 2023. His family was present at the opening ceremonies to accept an award in his honor, presented by Department of Agriculture Commissioner Louis Peterson. In addition to just being the hands-on, smiling face that you want next to you, Andy was also instrumental in being the main driver for our guests from off Ireland going to and from the hotel, the grounds, or anywhere else. I see heads shaking over in the corner. Andy would do anything that they need to make them comfortable. And so, in many ways, he was an ambassador extraordinaire. Awards were given to the Livestock Farmer of the Year, who went to Charles Burton. The Crop Farmer of the Year went to Francisco Torado. And the Beekeeper of the Year went to Stephen Charles, who started his beekeeping journey by following YouTube videos. I went on YouTube. YouTube, I lied a lot about certain things. So don't follow everything that YouTube tells you because uh, yeah, I, learned, I learned the hard way. So, <laughs> so just be very careful on a, on a real note. Um, they're not pets. Uh, the bees that we do have here in the Virgin Islands are 99.9% .9 um, Africanized, better known as the killer bees. And they will, uh, they will attack you if you get too close to them. Provided remarks, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. mentioned his administration's effort to provide grants that support farming in the territory. $600,000 yesterday, the Department of Education pledged over to agriculture to do farm-to-school training, technical assistance for farmers. $10 million, the most has ever been dedicated to agriculture through this administration, has been dedicated to listening to the farmers and saying what they want. Water, which billing cisterns in Doritaire, and Bodo, and yes, Mr. Olive, over there in St. Thomas for the ninth time. We're going to get a temporary abattoir for St. Thomas. We are doing the things like creating more wells for people in, the, in this area right here in, in Grove and Upper Love so that we could tap into the water system, making water more accessible to farmers. We're creating funding systems so that farmers can have access to money so that they can participate in the USDA reimbursement program. Because you could get a loan, but you got to spend the money first. So we're making that money available to them. We're doing the grants and everything else that we need to make available to farmers. Governor Bryant stressed a message of sustainability in agriculture being a community effort. Amid rising costs throughout the nation, American Airlines has raised their check bag fees. Passengers in basic economy or main cabin seating will have to pay between $5 and $10 more for each bag unless they are active duty military or have paid for their flight with an airline-branded credit card. Domestic travelers to include Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands will be charged $35 for their first check bags when purchased online, or $40 for their first check bag when purchased at the airport. That's up from $30. A second check bag will now cost $45, whether purchased online or at the airport, up from its previous $40. The pet in-cabin fee was also increased, costing $150, as previous from $125. The airline says the fee increases is a way to rein in rising costs, adding that the increases are the first in over five years in some cases. Representatives from the U.S. Agriculture Department's Food and Nutrition Service recently touched base with Virgin Islanders to discuss food security in the territory. 
Nutrition Service Northeast Regional Administrator Lisbeth Silverman spoke on Analyze This with Neville James about their 16 different USDA programs and spoke specifically about their summer food service program that they're currently rolling out. Despite our best efforts, uh, it's been difficult to serve children during the summertime. Uh, the kids that are able to be fed through our uh, school lunch program, mm -hmm. uh, we only serve about one in six during the summer. No, that's not good. No, no. no. And so um, our traditional uh, summer program has been uh, the group congregate meals at community sites. So uh, maybe a camp or a school setting where there's also activities. And that's something that is still available, but we've added a couple more components that we're really excited about. So one is a um, grab and go or delivery option for rural communities. And then uh, the new program is the summer EBT program, uh, which is, uh, Hopefully, uh, gonna, it's going to start in 2024 and be nationwide as soon as possible. Um, we're working aggressively with all our states, but what that is is uh, a, a benefit that will be available for eligible uh, kids um, that's similar to uh, you know, the other electronic benefits where they can use it at a, a grocery store. And they can use those at the same stores that they uh, redeem their SNAP benefits. The Summer Electronic Benefit Transfer will seek to provide Virgin Islands families with $177 per eligible child. Silberman said the territory has approximately 1,200 eligible children, which works out to more than $212,000 in benefits. Services have resumed at the St. John Tax Assessor Office located at the Islandia Building in Cruz Bay. Normal customer service hours from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. began today, and cashier services are available from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. The Virgin Islands Department of Education will be hosting their annual Math Counts competition, which begins tomorrow from 8.30 a.m. in the St. Thomas-St. John District at the 13D Innovation and Research Center on the Orville Ken campus of the University of the Virgin Islands. Avon Benjamin, St. Thomas St. John District Math Coordinator, says the competition will include students from both public and parochial schools. So this year we actually have in the St. Thomas District four schools participating. The Bursa Seabird Shelter Middle School, Lockhart K-8 School, Antilly School, and All Saints Cathedral Schools. So each of the, the, the competition is made up of a written test which is a complex series of questions that, you know, some are a little challenging that the students are, are able to um, get a score on. And then in the, the non-official parts of the, of the program, we actually have like a round robin type of quiz bowl type action. Members of the community are invited to attend and the top 10 students from each district will proceed to the state competition scheduled for March 21st on St. Croix. We start at 8.30, and the testing, that part of it should be ended by lunch, and we'll do the countdown round probably right at about noon. So that's the part. If people would like to come, they can come at any point, and they'll, they'll, see, they'll be able to see at least the excitement that you see with the children actually eager to actually solve math problems. It's really something to see. 
The St. Thomas St. John Chapter Math Counts Program received their sponsorship from the Rotary Club of St. Thomas too, with the St. Croix Chapter Math Counts Program being sponsored by the Mid-Island Rotary Club, the Research and Technology Park, and the Rotary Club of St. Thomas too. The St. Croix Math Counts competition is scheduled for Friday, February 23rd at 8.30 a.m. and will be hosted at the Research and Technology Park at the University of the Virgin Islands. Charlotte Amali High School senior Keon Harrigan-Thomas recently performed at Carnegie Hall in their Honors Performance Series. The series brings together talented young musicians from across the globe that represent all 50 states, including the U.S. Virgin Islands. Keon's journey to Carnegie Hall began with his win at the Maestro Award at the World Strides Heritage Festival in Atlanta while accompanying the Charlotte Amali High School Band. Keon said they sang seven different choral pieces from varying genres to include opera and black spirituals. Our first piece was called Gloria Fanfare, which was arranged and composed by the man who was actually directing us and conducting us. His name was Jeffrey L. Ames. He says performing at Carnegie Hall was like a dream come true. When it just stepped in on that stage, I was just so amazed. I'm like, wow, I've never really seen a stage that big before. And it's like, when we were doing a sound check for our songs, it's just like the way our voice echoed throughout the whole entire city. Oh my gosh, it was just amazing. Following this achievement, Keon underwent a rigorous audition process for the Honors Performance Series Selection Board, and his acceptance letter emphasized his exceptional musical talents, reflecting his dedication and achievements demonstrated in his application. I really just want to go into music and really study voice so that my voice could be heard, also performing technique as well, so I could be able to perform on more stages like Carnegie Hall, like Madison Square Garden or something. That's what I'm really kind of pushing for. We turn now to our regional report. A judge in Haiti responsible for investigating the July 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moise has indicted his widow, Martine Moise, ex-Prime Minister Claude Joseph, and the former chief of Haiti's National Police, Leon Charles, among others. The indictments are expected to further destabilize Haiti as it struggles with a surge of gang violence and recovers from a spate of violent protests, demanding the resignation of current Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Dozens of suspects were indicted in the 122-page report issued by Judge Walter Wesser Voltaire. Charles, who was police chief when Moise was killed and now serves as Haiti's permanent representative to the Organization of the American States, faces the most serious charges to include murder, attempted murder, possession and illegal carrying of weapons, conspiracy against the internal security of the state, and criminal association. Meanwhile, Joseph and Martine Moise, who was injured in the attack, are accused of complicity and criminal association. We turn now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. An approaching cold front kicking up a few more showers as we look forward to the next day and a half. Drier air will slowly feed in later tomorrow into tomorrow night and we'll finish the week with plenty of sunshine on Friday. But between now and tomorrow night, there's the risk of a few more passing rain showers. 
although the chance of showers will be quite a bit lower as we look forward to tomorrow night. Tonight, we'll see variably cloudy skies. There is a risk of a shower or two, low 72 to 76. West to northwest winds at 10 to 15 diminished during the overnight. A few more showers during the day tomorrow, temperatures in the low to mid 80s. Just a few clouds with a small chance of a leftover shower tomorrow night, lower 70s. We should be back on track with partly to mostly sunny skies on Friday. Temperatures in the low to mid 80s. Right now, it looks like sunshine through the weekend. Rip current risk will remain low during the day on Thursday. For WTJX, I'm Precision Weather Meteorologist Russ Smurley. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.